Satnam. I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I are appreciative of your vital role on this planet in an ever-growing global community. For it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. Everything in creation develops in a spiraling nautilus. This is a, the graphic of a nautilus. A spiraling nautilus that is very much like a, a Torian circulation where it spirals out of the center and ultimately back into the center. <coughs> it's called at the very fundamental level the flower of life. And you can see it in mineral deposits. You can see it when you hypermagnify any of the body parts. And it's both the quantum microscopic and the phenomenon macroscopic. And human evolution, as well as every other species, has that same process of that evolving through the flower of life emerging into higher and higher versions of itself. The key in working with this kind of a science is to accomplish that which the ancient masters totally messed up. Because out of this awareness, the ancient masters created the caste system, a very much proprietary attitude towards evolution, that those that were older souls were somehow superior to those that were younger souls and in that superiority required some additional amount of respect. And this is a formula for failure. It is not an equation of success. As in all species, <coughs> humans being identical to all of their evolutionary processes, they will give birth to very large numbers in order for 
a few of the large numbers to successfully make it through the process. And the human evolution is no different. The birthing into human form is at any given moment on any planetary system two-thirds of the human population. In other words, two-thirds of the human population on planet Earth are brand new in relative terms. Brand new could be they've been through a thousand, five thousand lifetimes. But that is still brand new when you consider that the full human spectrum <coughs> is approximately 84,000 lifetimes. The, hu the whole human development. And so for enough of them to make it through to the full process, there is always a burgeoning amount at the beginning of the process. <clears throat> and they are engaged in the exclusive ego completely. From birth to death, these will be engaged in the exclusive ego because they need to serve the self in order to grow the self. They're not yet capable of serving others in a, true, in a true way. They can mimic, which is a good thing. They can mimic the service of others or, as is happening in today's world, they can be co-opted by the second stage of human evolution and made to do the bidding of the second stage which is the the fetal stage the stage of the fetus and so we are way behind in influencing these way behind those of us that are advancing through consciousness are so far behind that right now we're getting warnings. Climate change is a warning. Climate change means that we have allowed industrialists who are primarily in this area here, we have allowed industrialists to take over the rule-creating mechanisms and they're laying waste to the planetary ecosystem. And in that laying waste to the planetary ecosystem, they wage wars and they wage a lot of things. And they use the very vulnerable and impressionable newest members in order to do their bidding. This is straight talk. This is no barring, no mincing of words, no barring of phrases. 
This is straight talk. And the reason that I am beginning a process of this really straight and direct talk is because the time is upon us whereby you and I need to show up in a very, very complex way so that we can achieve the outcome of showering the infants with tremendous love while not disturbing the second stage because if we disturb the second stage we become martyrs like every other processor has in the past and this is not the time for martyrdom that time is gone and that time is a waste of time right now because there are far too many people on the planet that martyrdom gets lost in the noise. And it was never a really good idea, but people used it in the past. And they made big marketing shows out of it. But it isn't the way to go. So these two categories are in their exclusive ego. The first category is in the exclusive ego and really doesn't have the ability to do a lot of self-initiation in it. The second category is in the exclusive ego, the I, me, mine, which is an essential component of these two categories, but they know how to really use it. They, they've, they've weaponized the exclusive ego. The third category, which is the, the natal category, the birthing into full awareness, has come into the inclusive ego, but is unaware of how to use it. So they are a wash in an ocean of who is this and who am I and who are you and what is this and what is it all about and that is an important ocean of confusion because confusion is exactly that con meaning without contrary counter contrary however you want to expand the phrase contrary to fusion so in this third section the natal section they are without fusion, without togetherness, because the togetherness that was being developed here was all about self-togetherness, the realization of the self-will. And this is being born into the service of the universal will, where the self is merged into oneness with everything else. But in this earliest stage, in the natal stage, it's very much an ocean of confusion. And so there's no clear ability to find direction. In the fourth stage, which is the dhyanal stage, and the numbers are getting fewer and fewer, so two out of three, one out of five, 
one out of 10, and in the dianal stage, it's one out of 30, which is the common ratio <coughs> of teacher to student in any classroom in the world. Except in the higher academies, and then it's closer to the bavishial ratio, which is one in 300. <coughs> In the dhyanal section of developing consciousness, we combine the, the inclusive ego, occasionally using the exclusive ego, but not as a, not as a primary component. And we are adventuring into the universal ego. The universal ego is when the self disappears into the collective. And the true realization of Hami Hum Tumi Tu Ramadasa Waheguru comes to light. The I am mine and I am thine. And in this we are one in 30. In the Bhavishyals we are one in 300. And in that bavishial nature, the primary ego is the universal ego. The secondary ego for the sake of gathering people is the inclusive ego. And for the purpose of being able to maintain a life within this, the exclusive ego allows the person to feed themselves and to breathe for themselves and for all of those things that are very particular about the self. And this is the Nautilus of all special life. And this is the Nautilus, the flower of human life. And as I said before, this is a very, very dangerous amount of knowledge and awareness to realize that across the eight billion people, two-thirds of them are brand new, can be taken advantage of if you are so inclined. But we are not to take advantage of them, we are to give them advantage One-fifth of the population is extraordinarily powerful and self-interested, selfish, by design, not because of a flaw, but by design, because they are developing themselves so that they have the wherewithal to go through the incredible disassembled confusion ocean in which they come out of the selfishness and move into the selflessness, the service, the serving of others. This area in here is where the kundalini really begins to activate at the level of this, which is about 
50,000 incarnations into the 84,000, the Kundalini really begins to activate. You really begin to have a desire to activate it. And a lot of technology from the past needs to be combined with a lot of the technology of the present moment so that we can get to the place where the traditions of the past serve the present rather than we just have this blind adherence to tradition with no capacity for invention or innovation or inspiration. And that's why I've started all of this movement with Kundalini University and 13 Moons and all of this movement. And I detached myself, not in a derogatory way, but I detached myself from the traditions in their exclusive nature. You know, I grew up in the traditions. I spent two-thirds of my life in the traditions. I gathered all of the benefit and the blessing of the traditions. And then I recognized and realized that the traditions were a foundation, but you needed to build the structure. Otherwise, if you've got a house that just has a foundation, what good is it? You can live in the foundation. I put up a tent in the foundation of a house. That's not a, that's not a house. And we need houses, we need homes, we need ashrams, we need grist ashrams. We need communities and that's what we are building. We are building communities of consciousness. Because we are the Dhyanals and the Bhavishyals that are here with an assignment to be able to incorporate the entire Nautilus, the entire flower of human life. This here, a graphic of the Kundalini plexus, that nerve ganglia that sits primarily at where the Chinese in martial arts and in the healing arts call the Dantian where in Kundalini Yoga we call the true navel, as opposed to the belly button being the navel. The true navel is, feeds through the pelvic bowl into the sashumna, the central spinal channel, so that the sympathetic charge of gravity and the parasympathetic charge of levity take place and the kundalini begins to rise up through the system of ganglia plexus and chakras so that it serves all of the glands and organs which secrete the peptides and hormones into the bloodstream which produce the feelings and the attitudes and the opinions and the emotions and all of that, which in turn then 
creative frequency that attracts thought at the frequency that you are vibrating at. Thought is a confirmation of your frequency. So if you're thinking bad thoughts, raise your frequency. If you're thinking good thoughts, keep doing what you're doing. Because thoughts are simply a signal. They are an instrument on the dashboard of your life. And they are there to define the frequency of your entire being. You know, most people think that thoughts influence your body. Actually, it's the other way around. Your body is influencing your thoughts. And so as this nerve ganglia, and by the way, these first two graphics, I took my art, sent it to John Riggs. John Riggs printed it on his huge, huge, incredible color. He enhanced the coloration and printed it on his incredible. And uh, John and I are going to eventually determine whether or not or how to uh, make these prints available uh, to the public if it can be done in a way that you know, wouldn't overwhelm <laughs> John and also would serve uh, the teaching. This is one that hasn't yet been put through that process. This is just my drawing. And so the Kundalini again, the Kundalini plexus, rising up through the inspiration of the diaphragmatic breathing into the belief system of the lungs to embrace the hope, will, and courage of the heart and give rise into the trust and faith of the cervical vertebra and into that analytical brain center in the head from the gut to the heart to the head so that you can truly be that ma, sa, ya, wa, that masaya, wa. And in that condition, you know beyond a doubt that you are here to serve humanity, all of humanity. And that's when you orchestrate the entire chakra system, which then orchestrates the entire chakra system to be in tune with the universal chakra system, the chakra system of the universe. And it is in this process that's called being in tune, in harmony. And by doing what I've just described, we are literally able to use the universal mind and the magic of the universal forces, the forces beyond the forces of strong and weak atomic gravity, magnetism, and electricity. There are forces beyond that that when we tune in and become in resonance with the universe, we can use those forces. And if we use those forces for good, it's known as white magic. If we were to use those forces for, for malevolence, 
it is known as black magic. Read the history of Milarepa, the great, in his latter life, the great Buddhist poet and saint. His early life was that of a black magician. His family had been the black magicians for centuries. And back in those days, you used a black magician to get even with someone, to get even with someone that had done you wrong. So it's a very interesting story. There's also a book called The Ten Thousand Songs of Milarepa, which is a collection of his poetry. And so we are here to activate our ability to use the additional forces of the universe by working with this Ganesh. Look at it, it's an elephant with the big ears and the trunk and the eyes. And that's why in their meditative process, all those thousands of years ago, the yogis came up with what they called Ganesh, the god of new beginnings. Because it was right there at the base of their entire being. And they knew that they were the Bhavishyals, those who were here to lead this planet. But unfortunately, they looked at it incorrectly. They thought that they were here not only to lead, but to also be better than. We are not. We are here. We are not better than all of this. We are just more able to respond. That means we are more response-able, more responsible. That's all we are. We are more responsible for doing what needs to be done on this planet that desperately needs our leadership and our guidance. Blessings. Mwaiguru. And now what I would like you to do while I'm getting myself in position for leading the yoga portion, I would like you to either pick up your journal and start writing right away notes from your head about what you have heard this morning, or go and get your journal and begin writing right away because you need to write when it's fresh because we're all in that theta brain state. Bless you for joining us. Visit gurusing.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more.